Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Saturday morning to you. It's just a little after 8 o'clock. This is KKNW in Seattle. That's our radio station. Our show is Drive Time Radio. Notice, Nathan, we snuck in a legal ID for you right there. KKNW Seattle. As we uh, open up another edition of Drive Time this morning on a, a beautiful, a little cold, a little chilly, but a beautiful morning here in uh, the uh, studios of Esperance Media in Edmonds, Washington, where we have emanated to you from the last couple of years, at least. Uh, you know, it's funny, we're coming up on our third anniversary of drive time. Hard to believe that uh, it's uh, going on that long, but it is. And uh, uh, we'll, we're going to plan a little special anniversary show uh, for you coming up in... Well, next month will be our uh, our anniversary, uh, just early in November is when we put this particular version of Drive Time Radio on the air. It has been on the air continuously in different versions since uh, 1993. As a matter of fact, next year will be our 30th anniversary talking about cars. You think about that. The first EV, the General Motors EV1, had not yet been produced when we were on. Uh, we first went on the air with our feature drive time on KJR back in. Wow, I want to say it was uh, June of um, 1993. So, along with my good friend Michael Knight, so we'll have a, a special celebration for all of these different things. Maybe we'll actually do a live broadcast and invite people to come down. Or maybe I'll just let Nathan do the show because he seems to be the most popular um, dude on this show. (laughs) So, let's get to a couple of quick things so that we can uh, move on to the bigger things. Uh, Maybe nothing more bigger than yesterday's Mariners game, uh, which they wound up winning on the uh, arm of, uh, of, uh, listen, uh, you know, you make deals in baseball. You never are sure how they are going to turn out, but the one for uh, Jose Castillo has worked out, uh, in, uh, in, in unbelievable proportion, uh, for the Mariners. And yesterday proved that. Uh, the uh, victory four to nothing in Toronto. They got on them early, and uh, Castillo and, and a uh, few other Mariners. Some great defense. Um, kept uh, a very hard hitting Toronto club at bay. Uh, game two this afternoon at one o'clock. We'll see what happens. We wish them all the luck in the world. You know, it's funny. Um more and more looking at this series as a fan for the first time in I mean I've worked baseball games and series since uh, 1986 that's not to say I'm, I'm not a fan but there's you know there's a difference when you're working it and you're enjoying it as a fan and I decided that this year I would come at the season as a fan as opposed to being in the, in the press box. So I could sit in seats, talk to people, do different things that when you're in the media, yeah, when you're in the media, you have the access and you see the how the sausage is made and you get to talk. But there's still something about just being able to go and cheer. And go because remember, there's no cheering in the press box. You cheer in the press box, you get tossed. And uh, so it's it's nice to be able to view it after so long as that. And the one thing that I found is, let's face it, I'm still a baseball fan. You know, I'm still somebody who loves the game. 
Uh, I love to promote the game. I love to work at games. I'll go back to that next season. But down the stretch here, it is so cool just to be able to watch what's going on. And one of the great things that I get to watch um, in, in this particular situation with the Mariners is, are the young people who get so enthused about this team. People, uh, young, young people who don't know what it is to watch a Mariner playoff game. Now do. Now do. Uh, games that did not happen, playoff games that did not happen in their lifetimes. Because they're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. It's awesome to see that. Uh, from my perspective. I just think it's a, it's a great thing. One of, the, one of the people that I enjoy watching watch the games and enjoy talking about baseball with is uh, our producer, Nathan. We got a chance to do a little drive time along with uh, my friend Keith Slater and uh, my friend Robert Brooks from Page One. We got a chance to head out to the ballpark last week for the doubleheader. And uh, Nathan, what do you think? That was an intense night. I mean, so much action was going on in really both ends. It really could, could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, you saw history uh, because as far as I have learned and read and seen, no catcher ever won the first game of a doubleheader as a catcher and then, uh, as a pitcher, I should say, then caught the second game. That was the first time in Major League Baseball history. Well, wasn't it something like 1902 was the last time, or is that just for a position player alone was no, 1902? That was, no, that was, that was uh, as far as the Elias Sports Bureau, which is the official statistician for baseball, unless something came up in the last 24 hours, but as far as they could find, no catcher had ever pitched and won a first game of a doubleheader and then caught in the second game. Hmm. I just remember the year 1902. What was that about? Uh, well, there was, there was, a, somebody had put, had put something out that said that there was some player, but, but, uh, uh, it wasn't. It was a different situation, and somebody had done it in the Negro leagues. Hmm. Um, but that doesn't. Uh, you know, it's not that it doesn't count. I hate to say that it doesn't count because the, that's a whole another story uh, of injustice there. But as far as Major League Baseball right now, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't affect. Uh, you know, doesn't count. It doesn't. It doesn't affect the stats that are there already. So, well, I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun when he went onto the mound, and all of us in the stands were chanting at him like Felix would when he's about to throw a strikeout, yelling <laughs> out a bunch of K's. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was awesome. It, it was a great atmosphere at the ballpark, anyway, uh, because uh, you know you were coming off the whole Cal Riley thing, and um, you know. Just the whole the, the whole electricity around them. Even though the ballpark was not full, um, you know, it still was because it was a doubleheader. We all knew that we were sitting there witnessing something unique, even if it just would have been a doubleheader. But we got to see baseball history. That's what I always tell people about the game of baseball, Nathan, is that whenever you go, if you pay attention you will always see something that you've never seen before. It's, it's just the way the game works. There's always something that happens that you can sit there and say, wow, did that ever happen before? I remember uh, in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, I mean, I've seen no-hitters. Uh, I've, I've actually sat there for a Nolan Ryan no-hitter in the stands, actually, not in the press box, but in the stands. And... Um, uh, a few years ago in Pittsburgh, I was sitting there and I saw consecutive home runs hit off the same foul pole. When you ever see that? Not often. It's happened before, but not often. So, uh, Mariners now have their uh, have a little bit of a cushion, and that's a great thing. And uh, they'll play again at 1 o'clock this afternoon in Toronto. So we don't mean to offend our neighbors up north, but... Go kick some butt, Mariners. Get it in a second. 
uh, game, and let's get back and get ready for uh, the um, the advancement. How do you like the format, Nathan? You, I mean, it feels it's got a real air of the NCAA tournament to me. Are you talking about the expanded wild card or the fact that yeah, there's more yeah, than one wild, wild card, card game now, or just in no, general? No, well, the expanded wild card format. That's that's you know mm-hmm. this is the first year that they've used this format that's really feels a lot like you know brackets and seedings and so on and so forth where uh you know baseball never did that before but they're taking a page out of the wildly popular ncaa i'm a fan of it i just kind of find it a little bit weird that you know somebody could win their division and still be in the wild card you know particularly like the cleveland guardians before it was each division leader would be in like the right. division series automatically, and then there would be a wild card team to find out who faces the top seeded division leader. So now it kind of takes away. I mean, there's a chance that you could win your division, but you know, still be considered a wild card team. So yeah. I find that part kind of a little bit funny. And then there's always the people that say, you know, the Mariners could have or got into the playoffs because there is an expanded wild card. The drought isn't really over. Well, if you look at the old format, the Mariners still got in. So I'm a fan of it. Listen, if if the rules say you get in, I know because I've heard that too. Ah, they only got in. No, you know what? The rules changed and they got in. Uh, If you go back to 1995, um, you know, there was... Uh, wild card stuff going on then there was all sorts of different stuff that you know the after 1969 1968 was the last year that it was the true format which was the winner of the national league plays the winner of the american league Mm. and that's it that's all that's you have a true champion out of, out of, but that was in as as teams uh, as the leagues expanded, that format became unsustainable. Unsustain, uh, you couldn't you couldn't keep that because it would leave too many cities out. There would be too many cities that felt like they didn't have a chance. I always thought it was a great format. It was always great because you know the best team in one league is playing the best team in the other league. And in 1969, when the Mets uh, won the National League East, people immediately said, well, you know, if you didn't have the expanded playoff. Well, you know, reality is, is if is a big word. You know, uh, if you change the rules, they still won 100 games that year. So it's not like they didn't win enough games. Mariners still won 90 games, 90, ga- 90, right? 90 games this year. So, um you know, so, so those people should just keep their trap shut. Is uh, what I'm, what I guess, what my, the bottom line of what I'm seeing. All right, tell you what we're gonna do. Take a quick break here. I gotta grab something to lubricate my throat. We'll come back. We'll switch it into cars. We're rooting for the Mariners today, um, <clears throat> as we did out at the ballpark last week. Um, Nathan, where are you watching the game today? Before we go, I'll be here. There you go. The, the, the people come running down the hall saying, what the heck is Nathan doing? He's screaming. <laughs> right. It's like, what's that going on over there? There's somebody just going around like crazy. It's like a dog with the zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. All right. Enough baseball talk. This is Drive Time Radio. Don't even mention the Mets. Please, don't even mention the Mets. I'm New York Vinny. We'll be right back. <laughs> Because he just saw the new Ford Falcon. Well, everyone who has seen the 1961 Falcon is excited. But I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I don't believe we've met. Excuse me. I would like very much to have you meet Pigpen. Hello, Pigpen. I'm very glad to know you. Well, since Pigpen hasn't seen the Falcon yet, let's show it to him right now. This year, the Falcon gives you more power, more luxury, more comfort for six people... More of everything that has made it the world's most successful new car. It must be pretty embarrassing for the other compact cars to realize how they missed the boat. And you can now select from two engines, 
the regular Falcon engine, famous for mileage, and the new, more powerful Falcon 170 Special. You get a choice of engines? That's right. You have to admire the generosity. You also have to admire the Falcon's economy. It goes up to 30 miles on a gallon of gasoline. 30 miles is quite a distance, especially when you compare it with what the others give you. And it goes 4,000 miles between oil changes. 4,000 miles? That's virtually beyond comprehension. Oh, and that reminds me. The Falcon's diamond luster finish never needs waxing. And yet, with all these exclusive features, the Falcon is still low, low in price. No other compact car offers this all-around economy. I must say, I'm very impressed. I'm sure the 61 Falcon will rank high in favor with the buying public. Thank you. Now you know why everyone's excited about the Falcon. Me too. The 1961 Falcon. The car no other compact can measure up to. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Right back with you on Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. Nathan, the producer, is here as well as we keep you company on a uh, beautiful but chilly Saturday morning. We're here every week, Saturday, every Saturday morning, I should say, from 8 to 9. Right here on 1150 KKW. You can also catch us on YouTube, uh, on Facebook live as we are right now and of course uh on podcasts wherever your favorite uh, you obtain your podcast just uh, punch in drive time with new york vinnie and you should find us sitting there all right let's um tell you what why don't we do this uh, right now let's uh, let's ask the magical question nathan yo vinnie what are you driving this week that's a very good question nathan a very good question what am i driving this week well We'll talk about a little later in the show this uh, three-week immersion I did into electric vehicles. So for the first time in a month, I am in uh, a a gasoline-powered vehicle again. Uh, This week, I'm driving the 2022 Mercedes-Benz E-Class All-Terrain. And uh, I am a fan. I know that a lot of people love to drive station wagons. A lot of people love to, you know, uh, or, or SUVs, I should say. Uh, I am a fan of station wagons. I grew up with station wagons, and I think that people go out and buy much more car than they need uh, when they buy these SUVs. I mean, the average person uh, that wants something that carries the kids, so on and so forth, can use a station wagon and accomplish the exact same thing, a good all-wheel drive wagon, but they're generally not as expensive as the SUVs. Uh, The profit margins are probably less, but I think they're much better vehicles in in their handling and their ability to do more things, especially not ride like a truck. Uh, Mercedes, the E-Class all-terrain, is a traditional station wagon. As a matter of fact, it's such a traditional station wagon (laughs) that for those of you who were around in the 60s and uh, 50s even, and remember the uh, uh, Chevy and Ford station wagons, and Dodge, I think, did this too, that had the rear-facing third seat. So row one obviously sits facing forward row two sits facing forward but the third row in the car faces backward uh so that uh you have a view you're looking at at everything you just passed uh but these were incredibly uh uh fun seats to sit in and mercedes although it's not as big and plush as uh the other two seats in the car really has gone to this format of putting one of the seats, the final row, facing backwards. Now, I know they stopped doing it for a while because uh, there were a number of uh, people who were killed that were sitting in that back seat in hard rear-end collisions. Uh, Chances are they would have been killed anyway in what they, you know, in any format that they were sitting because the car was in so hard and you're sitting over the gas tank. But Mercedes is uh, known for safety and with crush zones and different ways of building a car, uh, 
uh, they have felt that, <clears throat> without a doubt, they have got this mastered. So you have the third row facing the rear, the rear-facing third row. So a bit of nostalgia there for you. Uh, but this car um, really puts, I think, it all together, and it's not much to compete with it. I mean, what's, what, what do you got, the Audi, maybe the A6? Might be something uh, that would be competitive with it, but it is. uh, It's full of gadgetry. Got a great interior in this car. uh, Massaging seats, so on and so forth. Uh, It it maybe looks a little too much like an SUV. uh, And I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, maybe I'd like a a little bit of a higher roof in the the extreme rear of the car that would give it that squared-off look. But... Uh, listen, uh, I'll take my station wagon any way I can get it. And uh, this uh, E4, uh, E450 that uh, Mercedes has come out with, uh, E-Class, is uh, so far, and I haven't driven it a lot, but I'll, I'll take it through its paces this weekend, uh, but it really has, I think, all the elements to get you out of the... SUV and into a more practical machine for you. Uh, 362 horsepower turbocharged 3 liter inline 6 with a 48 volt hybrid system and all wheel drive. Uh, You hit the gas and it goes. It does a nice job of uh, getting up and going even when you got some people in it. It uh, also uh, as I said, has so much luxury in it, but also so much safety. Uh, you got a driver assistant package that does uh, essentially the same thing that Chevy's Super Cruise does, allows you to somewhat autonomously drive the vehicle on the uh, you know on a highway on, on on particular highways, not every highway, but on particular highways. I believe it might be limited to interstates. But I can't tell you how much that that makes it feel. Um, it makes it easier to drive it. It makes the drive easier. It keeps you centered in the lane. It's, it's, I'm more and more becoming enamored with these uh, Super Cruise things uh, type uh, driving systems. As as you get older, they become. Uh, uh, a mechanism to make you feel safer when you're driving the car, uh, to maybe override a mistake that you might make, like a lane change or something like that. So anyway, um, a, a great car uh, to go back into, a, a, you know, gas cars. This is the way to uh, be dropped into into one. Uh, the infotainment system is phenomenal their mbux mbucks infotainment interface is on a big screen it's got a huge sweeping screen in front of you great car and uh, we'll do a full review of it but i'm just uh, I'm, I'm i'm excited to be driving a station wagon i feel like i am a country squire uh this uh, particular weekend really really cool car to uh to uh, be able to drive around all right, um, let's switch gears here, literally, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, talk a little bit about this uh, three-week immersion that I did into electric cars. So what I wanted to do is, is when you drive a car, when we get a, a car on loan from a manufacturer, all these cars that I drive are loaned by different manufacturers for a period of one week. Unless you do uh, what they call uh, a long-term loan, uh, and they're hard to get and hard to do, especially in today's environment where it is tough to get cars. Uh, you know, there's shortages here and there. So you drive it for a week, you evaluate it, you do the best you can. But what I had noticed as we were going along, that EVs are not just electric vehicles. Uh, EVs require a change in lifestyle. EVs require you to think a lot more, to plan a lot more. You know, you're driving down the street, you run out of gas, you walk to the gas station, right? 
when you have an EV, you uh, have to, at the very least, input uh, the miles, your trip, so on and so forth, into the trip computer and get an idea of where and how far you can go on a charge. Uh, you have to know where charging stations are, or at least have the mechanism in your car or in your phone to know how to get to a charging station. You can't, uh, it's very dangerous to play the uh, game that I love to play, which is how low can I get the gas gauge to go? You know, you just, you, you try to drive it until it just, you're on fumes, until you roll into the next uh, shell station. But you can't do that in an EV. Because you, there's not enough of them yet out there, charging stations. Although I got to tell you that the infrastructure is quickly, rapidly moving. And there's more and more places to charge your car. So I wanted to get an idea uh, of, of what it was, not just to change from gasoline to electric, but to change your lifestyle from the gasoline lifestyle get it on every corner, to electricity, where you have to think about it, where you have to um, plan out your day a little bit more, or at the very least have a mechanism in your car uh, that can help you plan it. And I have to uh, admit that it takes a little... I, I am, I'm not a planning guy. I am the furthest thing from organized or, or a planning guy or I'm just not a good organizational type of guy. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a, uh, you know, a creative guy. I'm a free thinker. You know? uh, time and space sometimes don't line up with the way I want to do things. And I keep trying to beat it. <laughs> the older I get, the less that works. But uh, so, driving an EV three weeks in a row required, number one, uh, a presence of where you were going and how you were going to get there. Were there EVs on the way? Uh, EV uh, charging stations. Uh, were there places uh, that uh, you could do something else while you were charging the EV? Like, uh, if I went to... Northgate and charged up there. I could walk across the street and go to Tajay and do a little shopping while the car charged. If I, you know, uh, went, gonna, was going to have a meal, let's say I could drive somewhere, plug the car in. Uh, I took this all into account ahead of time instead of just kind of randomly do it. And I have to tell you that it worked out perfectly. Uh, the, you know, now with your phone, I mean, you pick up your phone, you have a, uh, a couple of different apps in your phone that will tell you exactly where the charges are, whether they're occupied, how much it costs. Many of the charges are free. If you shop at PCC, you can charge your car up for free. They don't charge you. You plug into the charge point there. If you shop at Whole Foods, they have EVGO. Uh, they do charge you a small fee, less than it normally would be. But still, you're getting your car charged. And we haven't even touched on having a charger at home. Because the number one thing you do when you have one of these cars, if you have the capacity or the space to do it, you have a charger at your house, you come home, you plug the car in. And you're sitting there. As I said, I did not... Every time I passed, uh, you know, the, the uh, Shell station or even Costco, I smiled because I wasn't shelling out $6 a gallon for gasoline. Very simple. And the next thing with the EVs is, is and again, this is something that I know is going to get addressed, and I hope that it's going to get addressed, is uh, the infrastructure of chargers. Not so much that you don't have them, uh, because they are building more and more, but the companies that run these chargers, uh, on several occasions, it has been a hassle to get the charger to, uh, to turn on, 
for whatever reason. Uh, the um, reader didn't work. The um, your your credit card wasn't the right credit card. Your EVGO card wasn't activated like you thought it was. Several different scenarios arose. But after the first week, when you had, because in my case, I'm always switching cards. So it's always reading different cards with my cards. And, you know, the security things that are built into these things. Now when they see something different, it sets off all bells and whistles. But as the weeks went on, and I went through the different charging companies and the different charging stations, it became much, much easier to charge the car uh, to the point where now I was helping people charge their cars, showing them how to hook it, people that had just uh, uh, bought a charger and uh, or bought a, an electric car and had to charge it. As a matter of fact, it was interesting. You know, there had been uh, a charge point has uh, over at the Campbell uh, Nelson Nissan, their commercial lot, they have a DC fast charger, which is the one you want if your car uh, can handle it. And they just, when I got the first car, when I got the BMW i4, had put that charger online that week. And it was like a party because the DC fast will now charge your car to 80% in 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You pull up, get yourself a cup of coffee, um, you know, at, uh, at Starbucks or wherever you go, or, or, or Woods, and get yourself a cup of coffee. You pull up, you sit there, you drink your coffee, you do a little work on your computer, and your car is charging. Um, they have to advance these terminals a little bit more, these places a little more. Uh, I see a day where, uh, and in not too distant future, where I think you have an electric car, you'll pull up to something that's similar to a gas station. Somebody will come out, take your credit card, put your uh, plug in, you'll be able to go in and get coffee, snacks, clean your car, maybe a vacuum. By the way, a, a note to the people who put these charges in, you need to put garbage cans next to these chargers. Uh, because people traditionally use that refueling time, that recharging time, to clean around their cars, to do a minor cleanup. Uh, you know, the wrappers, the, the cups, this, that, the other thing that you have that you throw in the back seat. Um, when you pull up at a gas station, generally you go back there and you know, put it all together, throw it in the garbage at the gas station. Uh, none of the chargers that I stopped at anywhere uh, along I-5 or uh, in Seattle, in Snohomish County, in uh, out of King County, North Bend, you name it. Anywhere I stopped to charge this car, each one of these cars, there was not even a trash receptacle next to any one of these um, chargers. You have to have them. You have to look at it that it's a place where if somebody's going to spend 20 minutes sitting there waiting for their car to charge, they're going to want to get stuff in their car organized or play with it or, or throw it in, a, you know, in some kind of receptacle. Uh, there were a couple of charges uh, that I had seen where people just threw stuff next to the charger. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of gamey to me, but... It really was uh, disappointing to see that, but again, let's you know, let's call it for what it is: the, the, the charging companies, the property owners, the people who are going to profit off of these things need to put um, receptacles next to these uh, charges. Um, as I said, the three cars that I drove, and we'll do individual. Um, uh, reviews on each car. We did go Vinny's on each car. Uh, the BMW i4 M50, which was a heck of a performance car. Uh, uh, BMW uh, hit the mark on this one. Uh, the Chevrolet Bolt EUV. How good is the Chevrolet Bolt EUV? 
Forget everything you conceived about Chevrolet before. All the things that you thought that you knew you don't know anymore. This was, <clears throat> along with the Volkswagen ID4, what I call the people's cars of electric cars. I'll throw the Mustang in there too. Uh, the Bolt EUV was spacious, roomy, uh, had had tons of cargo room, tons of configurations uh, to, uh, you know, so that you could carry different stuff, people, long items, so on and so forth. It was fun to drive. It had the Super Cruise, uh, GM Super Cruise, which allows you, again, to push a button and take your hands off the steering wheel, take your feet off the uh, brake, and sit there and cruise and let the car control the cruising for you. And when you're stuck in traffic, when you are driving down I-5 from Canada down to Seattle, and the ride start, you know, your arms start to hurt, so on and so forth, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing like it, that you will love this feature in a car. From a relaxing standpoint, now again, you don't relax enough that you're taking your eyes off the road, or at least I can't. But it's nice not to be in that position of holding the wheel every second. Um, it's something that I normally don't do. You know, I'm an oldies fan. I love all the old music. And uh, She's a Rebel was, or He's a Rebel, was popping out of the speaker one of the uh, oldies channels on SM. And you know what I was able to do? I was able to clap my hands to the song <laughs> while, while I'm driving. Take my hands off the wheel and see the way he walks down the street. You know, and it was fun. It's a little thing, I know, but it's potential for much more. Um, the other car that I drove, the third car, which was my most recent one, was the Genesis uh, GV60. And that one was the one that got all the looks. That one was the one uh, that took you into the future. That was George Jetson's car, except it doesn't fly. But that was one that had so many incredible bells and whistles to it that it really uh, made you feel like the future of automobiles had arrived. It was chock full of gadgets and different things to make life easier for you. It was possibly one of the fastest cars I've ever driven. It had a button on the steering wheel. You hit that boost button, and it went from 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds. Under 3 seconds. Uh, it, it almost is faster than a speeding bullet. Um, it had luxury items in it like um, seats that not only massaged you as you were driving, but worked on, you could work on particular portions of your back. So if you had a rough day, you get into this car, you sit down, you hit the pre-programmed uh, massage thing, and it starts to, to actually make you feel good. Not only is your car now transportation, but it's now connecting you to the rest of the world, and it is also... Making is therapeutic. It's making you feel better. That's a pretty good deal in my book. Uh, another great thing about the EV lifestyle that I love is that you connect not only at these charging stations with the charger, but many of these stations have two or three or four uh, chargers. You actually connect with people. You know that conversation that you have where you're uh, at the gas pump, you know, you, you sit there and the guy, woman's gassing on the other side, you look over, you say hi, how's your day going? Yeah, okay, boom, boom, two seconds, and you, you're at, you know, you're driving again. Well, now you're at the EV charging station with somebody for 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Now, all of a sudden, you um, have a choice of you can sit in your car and not interact with people, but that's not me. So I actually started interacting with people and talking to people and having some, like, really great conversations. Now, again, right now, uh, 
you know, I, I think the average EV buyer is educated and well to do. You know, you know, like it, it's kind of the um, little bit of the upper end of the the spectrum, right? But I just met some some really cool, fascinating people. People that were uh, early adapters. People that looked at uh, these different um, uh, opportunities. Uh, who looked at EVs not from a political standpoint, as uh, many people have tried to do to turn these into a statement about your policy, uh, your politic, and uh, your potential. Um, uh, People talked about so many different things, had some great conversations, met some wonderful people, especially uh, uh, the event we had last week that I was telling you about, uh, the Snohomish County EV Club. People went out and, uh, you know, they, they put their cars on display, car show. And you could go, you could ask people questions. We saw, I think my favorite, I think Nathan, I actually put a slide up there of it. Um, a Carmen Gear. You know, the little Volkswagen sports car, that little cute little um, gear design sports car. Uh, they had one up there that was electrified. Do you happen to know the name of the person that had that Carmen Ghia? No, no, I don't. Because I met somebody a while back who had an electric, of electrified Carmen Ghia. I was just curious if maybe it's the same person. Yeah. Was no, it like no, a no. lime green color by any chance? No, this one was a, a right, bright different, orange. Different person then. Yeah, bright orange. Uh, but just, you know, this is a, another industry that is going to take off, I believe, um, is the converting uh, cars. To electric. If you have a, uh, uh, there are a couple of cars at this uh, fair that I went to from Snohomish County uh, Public Utilities District that had turned their cars from gasoline to electric. And this Carmen Gear was one. And it was, I thought it was very cool. I thought it was a, an excellent car. It's an older example. The batteries and everything is going to change and it's going to get uh, much more accessible. But now you can take uh, your car. And uh, instead of putting a new engine in it, you can just convert it over to electric. It isn't that hard to do, especially on a car like the Gear that has sits on a um, on a chassis uh, that would be hospitable to batteries because it has a a flat um, uh, pan type chassis. Uh, that's why they made such great dune buggies uh, back in the day. And with the engine in the rear, you had room to put uh, the electric components where you wanted to put them. So, really, fantastic uh, a group of people uh, that are driving these cars, uh, for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there's some bummers in there, as there isn't anything. But the socialization, the planning, uh, the feeling that you're doing something for the environment, uh, the ability to have a, to be a, a, a somebody who is an ambassador for something, uh, and, and, and all of these things factor in to make what I felt was a much less stressful. And again, I'm going to emphasize that you needed, you know, uh, to plan a little bit better. You needed to know your terrain a little bit better, and you needed to know what you could do, what the limitations, the capabilities of the car was, or else you could wind up getting stuck. But if you did all of that, if all of that worked for you, uh, it was a fantastic three weeks. Um, it would have been more fantastic had I had a home high-capacity charger. In this case, I was plugging into the house, uh, but it still gave me enough juice in all three cars that I was able to, um, uh, you know, at least leave the house every morning with enough of a charge to get where I needed to go. And I was able to go back to a charger at lunchtime, plug it in, and and charge the car up. Listen, these cars, these electric cars, are not going to be for everybody. There are people... Uh, that they probably won't work for. But don't be afraid of it. Don't be scared off by it. 
don't be don't let it be politicized uh, like the vaccine was politicized. Don't let it be a, oh, it's a sign that I'm a, a liberal or a this or a that. The only thing an electric car is a sign of is that you're spending less money at the gas station and that you're willing to try something new and different and something that other people will look at and maybe scoff at, but that you know that you're um, doing something that's helping the environment uh, doing something that is putting you in front of the pack of people, uh, putting something that might enhance your socialization skills, and driving something that's cool. Let's face it, it's always cool to have the first of something on the block, right? Even if you're in Issaquah and you got the, you know, the, the cabinets with the glass panels in them. Very cool stuff. All right. Uh, so that's that's kind of the result of the immersion. I'm also writing an article on it, too, that I'll post on our Drive Time radio page. I'll put the, all three cars up there. But again, the three cars I drove was the BMW i4M50 uh, performance vehicle, the Chevrolet Bolt EUV, which I've actually recommended to a friend of mine to buy uh, because I thought that highly of the car, and... Uh, the Genesis GV60, Genesis' first foray into electric cars, although they're, uh, uh, you know, it's based on the uh, Kia EV6 and the wildly successful Hyundai Ioniq. So good stuff there. All right, let's do our cartoon because uh, I got a special one for you this morning. You're going to know the guy that did this one. I, I guarantee you, uh, you will know the great William Shatner, 91 years old. And uh, last week he released an album, uh, an introspective, uh, a a look at himself. Uh, Shatner is a guy that uh, loves to ride. He loves to drive. He loves to ride a motorcycle. He loves to ride horses. He likes to go up in spaceships. He loves the final frontier, even at 91 years old. I was fascinated, always been fascinated by uh, Captain Kirk, Bill Shatner, or T.J. Hooker, for some of you, you know, maybe a little bit younger. But, uh, you know, a a guy who has a lot going on at an advanced age and a lot of good stuff going on. He released an album this week. The name of the album is Bill This song is called Ride. <laughs> Come on. Tell me that that wasn't cool. Tell, I dare you to tell me that that wasn't cool. William Shatner and from his just released album. The guy's releasing an album at 91 years old. Uh, you do that and you get on the, uh, uh, the Saturday morning cartoon as well. Bill Shatner and Ride. The album is Bill uh, as I said, it's on streaming services or wherever you get your music. And uh, I think, uh, you know, kind of, it's not exactly Rocket Man. For those of you who were around when, uh, you know, the 60s were happening, he and Leonard Nimoy both released albums uh, that uh, took uh, rock standards and destroyed them. Uh, Bill Shatner's uh, Rocket Man is legendary. Uh, in any, um, you know, many years ago, Rhino Records, <clears throat> which is a great label out of Los Angeles, uh, released a, 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 well, released one album called Golden Throats. And it basically was all of these different movie stars and stuff who had recorded or tried to record um, pop hits, disco, or, you know, rock and roll songs and uh there were um it was a collection of some really bizarre music and uh shatner i think there were two two volumes there might have been two double record sets if i remember right and shatner made made it i think two times uh with rocket man and uh, there was another song 
that he did. So there was a, there was a, <laughs> you know, there was a time when uh, when you were a star, that's what you did. Uh, you know, you put out a record album. Uh, your agent told you that you had to, or else. <laughs> anyway, that's our Saturday morning cartoon. And it's brought to you because uh, cars and music go together. They intertwine with each other. Uh, the music makes you happy. The car gets you where you want to go. And if here at Drive Time Radio, if we can make you happy and help you get where you're going, we have accomplished our mission. Or at least I think we have. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe we haven't. But uh, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, wanna be, uh, I, I know we're starting to get toward the uh, end of the show. And, boy, I know I've been talking like crazy this morning. But I did want to... Um, just jump in here quickly remind you about my uh, my good friend George Jackson. Uh, George is uh, been my friend for a long time, and uh, he has a company called George Jackson Promotions. And uh, George Jackson Promotions, if you have if you need things for your business uh, that are imprinted. You know, you see the advertisements on TV for this stuff all the time now. Or you can go to Staples and this and that. Why not deal with the guy who is uh, going to, when you need a calendar for your business, uh, you need pens, uh, you, you need all of the things that help a business identify itself to its customers. Uh, all of those types of, of things or even sports premium items. You know, when you give away the the, the you know the uh, the bag, uh, the shopping bag, or the different uh, uh, items that a business gives away, George does all of these items. He's been doing them for years. Uh, he's a straight up honest dude, uh, and I don't say that because he's my friend. I say that because he really is uh, uh, an, an excellent, excellent uh, uh, business partner. To have, uh, you know, uh, again, for jackets, uh, for your business, for shirts, for all different kinds of things uh, that a business uses. Imprinted apparel, promotional products, George has them. Why not uh, give him a call? Uh, he's at 412-537-4947. Uh, you can go to his Facebook page, which is George Jackson Promotions. Or you can get them at uh, www.gjpromo.com. That's it for Drive Time today. I'm New York Vinny. That's Nathan, uh, our producer, back there. We will see you next week if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Have a good one.